0: You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey. Brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and Broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking Tribe. Good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's uh, episode of the Farm Report Podcast. And boy oh boy, we got so much to talk about, um, and not a lot to talk about at the same time, because I think we're going to be devoting most of our time and attention to the, finally, uh, the long-awaited arrival of Bobby Bradley in Cleveland as he made his Major League debut this past week over the weekend and his first game had a ground rule double, uh, an RBI, a run scored, and a walk didn't strike out. Uh, Very nice to see. And uh, here to talk all things Bobby Bradley being in Cleveland and really how the Indians farm system has, in a way, saved their season single-handedly. You know, they're back to within striking distance of the twins they are in possession of one of the wild card spots or at least tied. And uh, it's all finally some good news. And uh, things are looking up in Cleveland and here to talk with me as always, is a uh, IBI contributor, Corey, Chris Corey, how's it going? It's not just a story of the Indians season. It's
1: the story of the Indians' season. Tom Hamilton said it best on Sunday's broadcast against the Tigers. It's that, You look in general at Plezak, and now Savale, now Bradley. You look at Mercado. You look at all these players that started their season somewhere in the minor leagues that are contributing at different levels and doing different things for the Indians. And yeah, I know we'll get into the discussion about whether or not the farm system has carried the Indians this year, and... I already spoiled my thoughts on it, but it's true. And it's hard to ignore the fact that what Savale and... I know it's one start, but what Savale and Plezak have done in the pitching end, and then now Bobby Bradley's here, and his presence in the lineup alone, along with Oscar Mercado, it's no secret that it's been amazing. And throughout Major League Baseball, you're not going to find a storyline like it this year. So... The newest call-up is Bobby Bradley. He's already doing well and back in the lineup today. And we'll see how long this thing goes because free the damn kids. I've been saying it. A lot of people have been saying it. We've we've seen it with other teams. We saw you know the Mets do it with Pete Alonzo. We saw the Padres do it with Tatis Jr. But now you're seeing the Indians somewhat because they had to, but also somewhat because how else can you keep a guy like, Oscar Mercado, or a guy like Bobby Bradley in AAA much longer. This is awesome to see that the Indians are taking this next step in breaking that prospect wall down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people have been clamoring for it. There's, there's been you know, people hyping him up, and there's been a lot of skeptics too, so a little bit from both sides. But I think that the overall uh, consensus has been you know, we want to see him up in Cleveland and see what he can do. And you know, the same – Same goes for the likes of Oscar Mercado and, um, you know, Eric Eric Haas has been up there, too. And, you know, we weren't expecting to see guys like Plezak and Savali. I mean, Corey, did you predict that we would see not one but both of Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali pitching in Cleveland and pitching well? I mean, Savali... I mean, talk about an impressive debut. Uh, six innings, two hits, no runs, three walks, six strikeouts versus Detroit. Yeah, I understand the Tigers are not that great this year, but for Savale, starting a year in A and then working his way up to Columbus and then in Cleveland, um, just goes to show even further how. The depth has really come through for the Indians this year when they've needed it most. Yeah, they had some rough periods, you know, when the starting pitching was going down. Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, uh, Bauer had his struggles. And then Rodriguez, one of their depth initial depth options got hurt. And uh, now, it's about, now it's about seeing some of these uh, options come up and be able to uh, help the team and really kind of resurrect their season because, as I said, you know, the Indians are – at a high water mark as far as uh, being above 500, I think they're like six or seven games now above 500, and as I said, uh, eight games back of the Twins. They're right in the wild card race. Uh, I think for the first time this year that we can finally say that the Indians are actually starting to look more like the playoff contender we had initially expected. Maybe not a World Series contender yet, but uh, definitely in the in the playoff race, and it's all due, I think, in large part uh, to their farm system.
1: I wholeheartedly agree with this, and there are so many different ways to talk about what the Indians have been this year. And I know the starting pitching, you can start with them, and Corey Kluber's health, Clevenger's health. You talk about Carlos Carrasco going down. You could talk about Trevor Bauer struggling. In addition to guys like Pleszak and Savali getting called up, and I know, again, Savali, just one start, and you can even look at uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez and what he's done as a call-up this year, too. Shane Bieber in that 2016 draft class, I think Peter Gammes tweeted about it, and then other people started, you know, oh yeah, by the way, look at that draft class in 2016, Savale, Bieber, at least those two in that rotation now, and you look at Plezak, what he's done, you Tommy John surgery, not more than two years ago, not more than three years ago, I should say. And now he's looking like at least he could be in this rotation long term, which is crazy to think in itself. And now you look at Bobby Bradley, who lit up the International League, had nothing more to prove in AAA, except, yeah, I know the strikeout numbers, but I'll get to my thoughts on that in a second. And I think you can't discredit anything that Oscar Mercado's been. You look at what the Indians outfield was, what the lineup itself was, there was no jolt. There was no breath of fresh air. There was no shock value in that lineup to where, yeah, guys like Santana and Lindor, they're going to produce. They're going to do what they do. But where's that one guy in the lineup? And I'm not saying Oscar Mercado is Mike Trout or anything, but where's that one guy that it's like, We can't let him get on base if you're an opposing team. You know what I mean? The Indians really didn't have that other than Lindor and Jose Ramirez. He's been struggling. So Mercado brought that sense of prevention to other teams. It is, okay, if Mercado gets on base, he might steal second base, and he's very likely to do so, and he's very talented at running. So he brings that whole other dynamic to that lineup. Now you add the power in Bobby Bradley where – Guys like Edwin Encarnacion left, and Yonder Alonso left, and a lot of power was lost in that lineup, even with Michael Brantley leaving, too, and Jose Ramirez struggling. Now you bring that guy back in the lineup to say, if we're not careful, these are opposing players and and coaches saying this, if we're not careful, this man's going to take us deep and possibly out of the yard. So these prospects have brought different angles of their dynamic talent and different angles of... Feel to the Indians lineup and the pitching rotation
0: yeah and you know you don't want to be a team in this position you never do where you have to really test your depth because odds are it could work out not work out just as easily as it could work out and who knows the jury's still out on on all these players they they could easily hit slumps once we get into the uh late July and August and what have you that there that could still very well happen I'm not saying that just because they're coming up and playing well now that that's the be-all end-all, they're they're just going to be good from here on out. Uh, No, that's definitely not the case, but um, the Indians have had to reach deep into their depths of their farm system to uh, accommodate the injuries and struggles of some of their key players, and so far they have benefited from it and have been able to reap the rewards of it because of the guys like Pleasac and... and, uh, Savali and now Bradley and Mercado stepping up and you know there's still some guys who are in AAA who could very well help this team at some point this year as well you know I'm mentioning guys like Eric Haas, Daniel Johnson, Nick Sandlin, even like a Mark Matthias. I think you know he's a little bit more of a long shot he's been playing so well this year I think he deserves uh some uh some consideration so I think that you know, I don't want to see them burn through their farm system and their, all their depth, but as I've said before, they are in a position where they need to start thinking about the uh, both the short-term and long-term future. They've got some of their elder statesmen their veterans uh, moving towards free agency or just their end of their tenure with the tribe, and you got to start thinking about how you're going to fill those uh, vacancies in the future, and... You know, I'm glad to see, you know, part of it out of necessity, but part of it out of, you know, maybe we should give this guy a look and see what he's all about. I mean, they just, let part of ways with Leonis Martin, who I wish all the best to moving forward, uh, in favor of giving a guy like Mercado more playing time, which I think is richly deserved. He's batting over 300. He's got uh, doing everything uh, on the bases, uh, in the field, uh, doing everything you said he has done. So I think it's just about, at this point, you got to look towards now and this season and try and see what you can do to fill the holes left behind by injuries or struggling players or what have you. But you also have to have an eye towards the future. And I think the Indians are—they uh, did kind of did that in the off-season, and you know they were slow to do it once the season got going this year because they were playing a lot of veteran guys. But I think they're slowly starting to come around with that, with calling up guys like Bradley and uh, Savale, and again some of it out of necessity, but I think uh, in other respects they're. They're warming up to the idea of giving these kids the chance they deserve and uh, seeing what they can do to help the tribe in the future. I'll wrap up the aimlessly accurate segment by saying
1: this. This is a question, and I think it's a very daunting and a loaded one to ask. Where would the Indians be without the production of these call-ups? It's almost scary to think where this team would be right now considering all the injuries to the rotation – the lack of production from largely throughout the most of the season, Jose Ramirez and Lindor being hurt earlier in the year, and Kipnis taking a while to come around, and Bowers struggling, Martin doing you know okay, I guess. Where would this team be without them? It, it's scary to think that.
0: I'll tell you where they'd be. They'd be below 500 and probably third place or worse in the division right now because I think the White Sox would have passed them up.
1: We'd all be lighting the entire internet on fire if that were the case
0: oh you thought you would think the you thought the enjoy him hashtags were uh prevalent now just imagine if the indians were totally out of the race right now and didn't have any any either they didn't call up any of their uh players or prospects in the farm system or they they just they called them up and they weren't producing
1: Who, i'm glad this is where we're at now it's the way better feel now than it was say, a month or a
0: month and a half ago. And you know what, though? This is also great PR for the Indians, too, because, you know what, if you're not going to market yourselves as, you know, we're going to go out there and spend money and... and uh, balloon up our play- payroll to try to uh, compete, then the next best thing to do to try to show the fan base that you still want to be competitive is to bring these young prospects up and show off your player development system. Because uh, that's how small market teams stay competitive, is they got to keep developing these players from within. And yeah, they, I, I think that the offseason, you know, enjoy him, aforementioned comments from uh, uh, Paul Dolan were probably a little... Uh, Uh, probably could have been uh, stated better, probably were a little um, ill-advised. I do think that it is the next best thing for the Indians to really showcase these young players and show the fan base that, hey, yeah, we're not going to go out there and sign – Bryce Harper to uh, a $300 million deal, but hey, look, we can develop some guys of our own right here. We can develop uh, a Bobby Bradley. We can develop uh, a Zach, please Zach. or, you know, I know he wasn't initially in news prospect, but uh, Oscar Mercado spent some time in the farm system, and they rounded off his development. Uh, show that you are capable of still bringing competitive players up and uh, filling out a team and a roster and making a playoff caliber roster moving forward. That's the next best play from a PR standpoint, if you're the Indians.
1: Well, you have to give Carter Hawkins, you have to give James Harris, you have to give John Mirabelli, you have to give Scott Barnsby, all these guys that are in the Indians front office and baseball operations and All of these talents in player development. We've talked before about what the Indians do well as an organization. And while people have their thoughts on the owner, it's no secret that they breed great front office talent. And right now, we've seen Carter Hawkins rise to assistant GM. We've seen John Mirabelli, the senior director of scouting operations, do a really good job lately of drafting college talent and signing international free agents. And we've seen that. I wrote about it this week with the scrappers. And uh, guys like Carlos Vargas, who's already in the scrappers rotation, I'm thinking on a lower end. But my point is, you look at all these guys in the front office that have put the chips into guys like Plezac. You mentioned it. Plezac. now Savale, You look at a trade for Oscar Mercado. You look at drafting and taking their time with Bobby Bradley. Right now, those four are really the core of this discussion. You have to think Jeffrey Rodriguez getting him. You have to think of guys like Eric Stamets, who they gave a run to, but now you have Mark Mathias and Yu Chang creeping up in the middle infield at the higher levels. So you have to give them all the credit in the world for constructing this young core of talent. And I know in a few years there's decisions to make on Lindor and Ramirez. That discussion can come later on. But again, you said it, and I agree to it. We'd be banging our heads against the wall if Mercado and please and Bradley at the very least we're sitting in triple a doing this kind of thing there and the Indians would be fighting for a second wild card and maybe fighting for second in the division. We would be losing our minds because of it, but now you can see what they have. And in the event that Francisco Lindor doesn't resign or Jose Ramirez doesn't resign and they, they might lose Jason Kitness at the end of the year. And whenever Carlos Santana, you know, starts to decline or leaves the team, They need guys to be ready, so why not just let them do these excellent things that they've been doing all year? Why not let them do it at the big league level?
0: Yeah, and if you're going to go down the uh, marketing, the farm system route and trying to showcase your prospects, uh, maybe remind everybody that you're two two of the best players on the team, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, both uh, farm system products through and through.
1: Yeah, and so is Bradley Zimmer. I know he's been hurt, and some fans may have their opinions on him, but Bradley Zimmer for a while there. Tyler Naquin for what he's been. You look at Roberto Perez bringing him in. You look at Kipnis bringing him in and developing him. It's been there. It's just people don't really think about that kind of thing with the veterans. They traded for Carlos Santana, who was a third baseman. It made him a pretty successful catcher and now a successful first baseman. All these players trading for Michael Brantley, who was a throw-in in the CC sabathia deal. Guys like that, I mean, this whole run that we've seen in the Terry Francona era has been constructed one way or another through either excellent prospect grooming or via trades that they've made. And, yeah, maybe cutting losses to CC sabathia in 2009 sucked, but seeing Michael Brantley as a throw-in develop into an all-star, that's just an example Seeing Zach Pliesak, who fell through in the draft because he had Tommy John surgery, and the Indians scooping him up in the 12th round—that's an example. Seeing Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali make their major league debuts three calendar years after being drafted—that's an example. You're seeing it happen right now.
0: Exactly, and you know I know we've talked about the drafting being a little more suspect in recent years, but overall, the Indians are still. Uh, one of the better teams as far as player development goes. And, you know, you talk about uh, all the key players who have helped the Indians in this uh, contention run under Terry Francona. You know, for the most part, uh, in the latter years, I'd say since, like, the 2016 World Series run, you know, we've been looking at players, you know, some some external players like an Edwin Encarnacion or a Yonder Alonso, um... Or Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, yeah, exactly. But for the most part, it's been either, like you said, players who have been developed from the start of their professional careers uh, through the farm system, either through the draft or through uh, non drafted free agents, international free agents, or they've been players who have been traded for as prospects who, you know, not much was really thought of them at the time. You know, not much was thought of Kluber, not much was thought of. Uh, Carlos Santana, or uh, Mike Clevenger, probably the best example of that. Um, Even Michael Brantley. Jan, G- left. Jan Gomes not was yeah. still uh, considered a minor leaguer at the time. And it's it just goes on and on. The list goes on and on there. Um, these are all players who... You know, either mid level prospects or just, or not even highly thought of whatsoever. Michael Brantley probably being the, the lowest example of that. Nobody really thought highly of him in that trade. Um, and, uh, Carlos Carrasco, too. He was, a he, I think he was the secondary piece in that, uh, in that Cliff Lee deal. And it sounds right, yeah. Yeah, it was either the Cliff Lee, no, no it wasn't Victor Martinez. It was Cliff Lee, because Justin Masterson was in the, uh, uh Victor Martinez trade. Um, no, yeah, it was uh, Carlos Carrasco and Jason Knapp, What I think was the key piece in the in the Cliff Lee deal, and he never got out of A ball. And but beyond that, though, that just to get, bring it full circle, it's been the Indians either identifying talent through the draft, through the international markets, or identifying talent in other organizations that has been largely overlooked that is what has built the core of this team and there's with all the front office staff still largely in place uh save the f- uh, select few who have left for other organizations the Shapiros the uh, my, uh Mike Hazen uh Derek Falvey and you know there's the the main guys are still in place though Chris Antonetti Mike Chernoff uh All the guys you had mentioned, Brad Grant is still in the organization as well. There are still a lot of guys who are the reason why a lot of these players have been acquired and developed and brought into the organization. So why should we think otherwise that the Indians are not able to develop some of these guys again? We're excited about guys like George Valera and Ethan Hankins and, of course, Nolan Jones and... Uh, Will Benson, uh, all up and down the farm system. There are so many names uh, that we have our sights set on right now. Some names who are rated higher than others. Some who may be under the radar now, but could be. I'm thinking of a guy like Valera, who could be pretty highly rated soon, possibly top 100 prospect material. Um, So that's why I look at where the Indians are and where the Indians are going, and they need to start – thinking in terms of making sure the fan to remind the fans about how well they develop their players and they've done very well of it in recent years. And I think that if they play their cards, right, they can do it again, especially with some of these players. And I'm not saying that, you know, that none any of these players are going to be on a Francisco Lindor level, but I think that they have the kind of kind of depth and uh, talent working its way up through the farm system where they can be, competitive moving forward at a sustainable level. Um, As long as they, like I said, as long as they continue to develop them at the, at the rate that they are, develop them, right. Bring them up at the right time, do everything the right way. And I think that they have a good chance of being competitive long-term with the, some of these young players that they have coming up.
1: All right. Two things. Number one, the full Phillies trade to the Indians to get Cliff Lee ready for it. Just a throwback to 2009. Sure. It was, Cliff Lee and Ben Francisco oh, yeah. were sent to the Phillies for Carrasco, Jason Knapp, Lou Marson, oh, and yeah. Jason Donald. Sweet Lou! <laughs> Sweet Lou Marson. If it weren't for Lou Marson getting hurt, I hate saying this, but I it's true, if it weren't for Lou Marson getting hurt, we wouldn't have seen Jan Gomes.
0: Yeah, oh, at least not as soon as we did. Yeah, yeah
1: when we did. Um, here's why I half agree with you and I half disagree with you, because... You mentioned the Indians organization sending a note and reminder to the fans that, hey, we're really good at developing prospects. The reality is, the common fan, and I'm not talking about guys like you or I who closely follow the team and are baseball purists and honestly pay attention to what goes on in Lynchburg and in Lake County. And no disrespect meant to the Indians minor league affiliates or the the A-ball affiliates, but... The reality is the common fan doesn't give a damn if Tyler Freeman hits 300 in Lynchburg, but it's important to highlight it. You see see the Twitter accounts like Tribe Insider, and you see people like us talking about it, and we're doing this podcast because there are fans out there who really want to know the information, maybe our thoughts alongside it, but who want to know the information about the system. People who want that information and people who care about that information – will go find it themselves. So I don't know about if they need to remind us, but having this thing happen right now with Oscar Mercado, who was acquired in a trade, with Aaron Savali, who was drafted in 2016, with Zach Pleszak, who was recently drafted, and Bobby Bradley, who was drafted and groomed for years, to see them succeed at the major league level, that's where the validation comes in. But on the flip side... Again, the fans that really do want to know, well, how the hell are we going to replace Francisco Lindor when Paul Nolan just said enjoy him? I bet fans were flipping the phones out and going to either Indians Baseball Insider or MLB Pipeline or wherever they want to get their prospect information and seeing, okay, there's this kid named Tyler Freeman. He's in, at the time, Lake County, and it looks like he did really well last year in Mahoning Valley. How old is he? 19? Okay, may not be up quite yet, he's still very young, that kind of thing. So the shock value with these prospects is that the common fan isn't taught to say, pay attention to what's happening in Mahoning Valley in Lake County. The common fan is taught, here's what the Indians' record is, and can they win World Series this year? So the baseball realm versus, say, basketball or football is so much deeper because of how emphasized player development is. And we just ran through it. Guys like Kipnis and Clevenger and Gomes and Lindor, no matter how they were acquired by the organization, ran some kind of gambit through the Indian system, and they became really successful at the next level.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, probably reminding uh, the fans about the – their farm system and their player development system is probably not the best way to put it. What I'm more was saying in my overall point was with these young players coming up, they need to emphasize them and say like, and say like, Hey, look at, and really just highlight them and get a lot of the fans to get to know these players. Cause I feel like that, you know, it's, human nature, as far as sports fans, we don't gravitate towards players we don't know. We only gravitate towards them, you know, when they start playing well over a consistent period of time, uh, or and when they, the hype machine uh, gives them a lot of, gives them a lot of praise along the way in their development, so we've seen both cases, but I think that, you know, as long as these young players are doing well, the Indians should really celebrate that, and celebrate their young players, and really... You know, point towards the future and say, "Hey, these are the guys who are going to be helping us moving forward." So, see if you can see if you can throw your support behind them. Get to know them a little better because uh, these are your future stars. Now, again, I'm not saying that Zach Please is going to win a Cy Young anytime soon, or that Bobby Bradley is going to be uh, going to be an MVP candidate. But um, I do believe that on some level, they're going to help this team in the long run. And yeah, that's. That's the best way for the Indians to try to you know, calm the masses a little bit, is to highlight these young players and and try to paint a brighter f- picture of the future, I think is the best way to put it. In
1: a way, that kind of happens in spring training, almost indirectly, because you see the 40-man roster come together, and you see guys like Eric Haas being introduced, and Oscar Mercado being introduced, and... Mark Mathias, who had a pretty decent spring for the Indians, be introduced. And Yu Chang, point is at the higher levels, you see that a lot. But for two and three years down the road, it's a rare case to have a star like Francisco Lindor. And with what Paul Dolan said at the beginning of the year, yeah, it would stir some fans crazy over it. And okay, in three years, who could be coming up? That's the question. The research is there. The names are there, looking at Ernie Clement, looking at Tyler Fries, looking at Tyler Freeman, looking at Jose Fermin, just to name a few names that are double-A and below right now. In the immediacy, it would be Matthias and Yu Chang, you would think. So, I think it almost creates itself, in a way. But yeah, the average fan probably needs that egg on to say, hey, don't forget yeah, there's 25 guys in Cleveland playing right now affecting the big league club, but there are also hundreds of guys in the minor leagues right now that are going to be the future of this team. And we have we being the Indians have done a good job of developing guys that we've traded for or drafted or signed internationally, and this is the product. So trust what we've been doing lately and trust in three years that if this kind of thing happens and the – number one superstar on the team, leaves, then there's going to be some backup for it. And right now it's just starting with these four, and most
0: recently now Bobby Bradley. And uh, just before we move on, to put a kind of uh, finer point on it, this is not us saying, like, the Indians – this is any kind of justification for the Indians going out and saying, like, we need to shed a bunch of payroll and we need to, uh, you know, cut some talent in the middle of what was perceived to be a World Series run. I'm not saying – I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that this – because they're – good at developing players that this is some kind of justification for their actions this offseason. I understand the frustration, and I I, I think we both do uh, sympathize with a lot of fans on, and probably have joined in the masses at some points during the offseason with some of the moves that were made and the decisions that were made, and, uh, and in the comments that were made, of course, with uh, Lindor and everything. I think that it is necessary to go out there and spend money and try to retain your best players, and there should be some kind of effort to do so. And, you know, I don't want to get into the whole attendance debate, the revenue debate, everything like that. But um, I I just wanted to qualify that by saying, like, I'm not trying to we're not trying to go out there and say, like, hey, these they're they're developing good prospects. So uh, stop your whining about the about the uh, payroll or about the uh, not signing Lindor or anything like that, because those are legitimate issues. And they're they're still legitimate issues. I'm just saying that the future isn't as gloomy as it as it is seems to be because they have these young players coming up and they will have more on the way uh, as the years move forward. Right there with you on it. You got to keep
1: in mind that every organization of major league baseball wants their top prospects to bloom at some point, you know, look at the Cubs and the Astros who are recent world series champions, largely because of their farm system. You want that kind of thing to happen. It's expected because it's, not only great for the organization in terms of drafting and developing international talent and national talent and college players and high school players, but also in terms of free agency to say, Hey, this is a destination. This is where you want to come play baseball. This is an organization that'll take care of you. The Indians in the last at least six years have been that destination. And quite honestly, until it stops and it it really stopped for a while, in the mid 2000s and even up until about when Terry Francona got to Cleveland where the prospect pool in the Indians farm system was just weak, but now the case can be flipped and I know they're not winning, you know, national writer awards for best farm system, but at the same time, there are legitimate players at each level that you can conservatively say this player can't produce at the major league level one day. Let's let him develop Let's let this window in Cleveland be what it is and then open a new window with these newer players. All right, so
0: let's go ahead and move on here and talk a little bit about who could be next on the pipeline to Cleveland. And, you know, they've already exhausted a lot of their depth options, especially on the pitching side, but there are still some intriguing players that we could see in Cleveland at some point. And, you know, we got, like, Eric Haas behind the plate – uh, possibly could replace Kevin Pulecki, but, you know, I know that they're hesitant to call him up because they're catching depth is so thin. But, you know, in 53 games, he's got 18 homers, 36 RBIs. He's batting .259, .353 on base percentage, .589 slugging percentage, really showing off that power. Strikeouts are still a big problem for him, though, and he doesn't have many other extra base hits. Kind of fallen into that Will Benson syndrome, although he is getting on base at a decent clip. Um and then you got Daniel Daniel Johnson who since joining Columbus is batting 297 with 3 homers and 14 RBIs in 27 games. I don't know. I know it's a small sample size in AAA and he hasn't had any playing time up there yet beyond this year, but I would think that with how much attention they've devoted to him in spring training and you know, they how well he's played so far this year, I would think that he could get a look at some point this year. Uh, Nick Sandlin is struggling in Columbus right now. He's got a plus-4 ERA. But overall this year, 22 games, uh, 255 ERA. He has 35 strikeouts and 24 24 and two-thirds innings between Akron and Columbus. Um, I don't know. The bullpen is in pretty good hands right now, but I would think that Sandlin would be one of the next guys called up if – uh, if needed. And then uh, I want to extend this a little bit more to Mark Mathias, who I think deserves some consideration here. Because in 60 games, he has six homers and 29 RBIs while batting two eighty two with a three fifty three on base and a four fifty slugging percentage. You know, not the best numbers you've ever seen, but definitely better than where he was last year. You know, he has, he's had some injury issues he's had to come back from. And so far this year, really putting up some solid numbers. So I think I would extend that list down to his level as well. I'll go one more. Once he gets healthy, how about James Karinczak? Well, of course. Yeah, that, I, I neglected to include him because of the injury, and I think he's throwing in Arizona right now. He's on, a, on his way back soon, but um, as soon as he gets back and gets his legs under him, that's pretty much a given as long as he's pitching close to the same level he was before the injury uh, that he will probably be in Cleveland at some point because I would think they're grooming him for a late-inning role. Probably a setup man uh, behind Brad Hand, uh, or even a closer role, depending on what their future uh, holds in store for Brad Hand, as far as you know whether he's going to be a trade chip or not. But as far as those uh, five guys, I would think that those five players, including Karinchak, would probably be the next uh, most immediate options for call-ups in Cleveland, and some of them are pretty exciting, especially when you talk about guys like uh, Johnson and Sandlin and Karinchak. I think having an outfield
1: of Daniel Johnson and Oscar Mercado and maybe Jake Bowers, I guess, is my third, or Naquin, who's come around lately, that's a fun outfield to have. And then once Bradley Zimmer comes back, especially if he's healthy, and then you look at some of the options that are with Daniel Johnson right now in Columbus that could come up, point is I think Johnson is the most dynamic out of these Players and that's with respect to position. Because Eric Haas, we've talked enough about him for I'd say two and three years now, about his growing and increasing power stroke at the plate. He is had he has had some on base ability, which is refreshing considering we've seen Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez struggle to get on base at times. We've seen him catch no hitters in AAA with Bieber and Plutko not long ago, a couple years, or last year it was, rather. Um, So we know he can call a game. He is what you want to ask for in a catching prospect, and then you have to hope that once he would get to Cleveland, then those trades can be furthered. When I look at Daniel Johnson, I know, again, a 27-game size, whatever, but he's had a really nice year after bouncing back from a ham bone injury a couple of years ago, he was the minor league player of the year in the national system that included guys like Juan Soto and Carter Keyboom, And you look at what the Washington Nationals gave up to get Jan Gomes. That's a steal now for the Indians. Nick Sandlin drafted last year, groomed quickly. How does he affect that bullpen? Does he make it better? Because that bullpen has been surprisingly statistically among one of the top in the American League this year. And if you didn't look at the numbers, you would probably think otherwise, but that's just a fact. And then Matthias, has he jumped Yu Chang as the next infielder that's ready to be called up? I think these are all good players. Karen Jack, like you said, I think it's a given that whenever he's healthy and throwing back to form, then he's going to get called up sooner rather than later. So I think of these five players that we mentioned Karen Jack's going to get the next call-up. Haas, I think, would be a product of injury. Sandlin maybe the same. Matthias, may be the same. But Daniel Johnson could play his way into Cleveland this year at some point. I do believe
0: that. I believe that, too. And that outfield definitely is fun to think about. And it's interesting to see how they mix and match. Maybe go with Mercado in center, Johnson in right, and maybe uh, Luplo and Naquin in left or Bowers, however they want to work it out. Um I think that it's exciting to consider moving forward and then let's not forget about Bradley Zimmer too. I mean, he's still working his way back. He hasn't played any full games yet, at least I don't not to my knowledge, but uh yeah, he's still he's still in the mix as well. So all of a sudden this outfield which we thought was which we thought was in deep trouble, which, you know, by all accounts it was, is starting to take some decent shape, especially with Mercado coming up to stabilize it, Johnson not far behind, Luplo has played above expectations, played pretty well, Naquin is playing above expectations right now, and I think that it, they're, they're in pretty good shape as far as the outfield is concerned in the future, and I think that once they get Karen Chak back, you get Salin in there, you throw them in there with guys like... Uh, with guys like Adam Simber and, and Nick Goody and and uh, Nick Whitgrin, I think that they could have the makings of a solid bullpen moving forward. Uh, I know that Brad Hand is un, pretty much unhittable right now, best closer in baseball, but I think that even if they decide to move on from Hand in some capacity, try to see if they can capitalize on his trade value, um, I think that they could still build a solid bullpen with probably like somebody like Karen Chack closing, and then you know all the all the submarine style arms because you think of Robert Broom coming up too. Think of a bullpen with Robert Broom, Nick Salin, and Adam Simber in it.
1: There's a lot of arms too that are coming up rather rapidly. I'm glad you mentioned Broom. You look at all these arms that are moving rapidly throughout the system now that are in Akron as as high as Akron right now. Looking at Eli Morgan on the starters end. Looking at Robert Broom on the reliever's end. Looking at guys like Jonathan Keeney and Haiye. Look at these names. The Indians, as far as a pitching staff, if you want to move on from guys like Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer, and then in the bullpen, if you trade Brad Hand or if something happens in that depth, there are arms that are going to be ready within the next year and two. So the depth in the outfield and the depth in the bullpen, while it's been a concern for the common fan throughout the throughout the most part of the season it's looking really bright the future of those positions are looking really bright for the Indians
0: absolutely and i I still think about the idea of you know you go Adams you go with Adam Simber probably in the seventh inning as your submarine style guy you got Nick Sandlin as your side armor in the 8th inning, and then James Karinchak coming straight over the top with his with his stuff uh, in the ninth inning. That's a nice little progression of arm angles there. Yeah, underneath, to the side, to the top.
1: That's three very different styles of throwing a baseball, to say the
0: very least. Absolutely. So, uh, how about some notable promotions before we get to the uh, player of the week for this week? Yeah. Um, Zach Draper getting promoted from Lake County to Akron. Now I think that might just be due to, uh, Savalle going to Cleveland and which by all accounts is likely going to be temporary because, uh, Clevenger is only supposed to miss a start or two due to this, uh, ankle injury. So Draper might be going back to Lynchburg or maybe even Lake County after this, but he had a good start in Akron, uh, to start his double-A career, uh, pulling up his numbers now. But And then you also have uh, Mitch Reeves going from Lake County to Lynchburg. He had a home run in one of his first games there. Uh, and then a couple of scrappers players, Cody Farhat and Jonathan Engelman going from uh, Mahoning Valley to Lake County. Um, uh, while I pull up these stats, Corey, what are your thoughts on some of these um, moves in the farm system?
1: Well, how about Lynchburg's loaded lineup now with – Tyler Freeman, and Will Benson getting called up last week. Now you have basically Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, Tyler Freeman, Nolan Jones, Will Benson, Mitch Reeves as options at the top of that lineup. That's really scary for the Carolina League to face. Engelman was uh, preemptive, I think, for, for my liking, but I'll tell you what. He proved me wrong the other day, hitting a walk-off home run. He's hit the ball well since getting called up to Lake County. Cody Farhat, after being drafted last year out of Texas Tech, didn't log, I don't think, any playing time with Mahoning Valley before seeing a call-up to Lynchburg. And Engelman and Farhat were a product of Benson and Freeman getting called up. So the the two college kids, essentially, that were in Mahoning Valley – because Mahoney Valley's outfield right now largely is George Blair, Jonathan Rodriguez, and then plug somebody else in out there right now. Largely it's been that. So the younger, you know, teenage players, the international free agents, and then Arizona league from last year. But now you're seeing the college players get some work in, in Lake County. Yeah. Draper to Akron was a little surprising. Again, I think it was just for the spot, Um, but he's improved over, the course of the last I would say year as a starter Mahoning Valley was kind of middling and then he turned into a reliever for a little bit there was doing pretty well
0: well looking at his uh, numbers right now uh overall this year four and two with a 225 VRA he's made most of his bones out of the bullpen this year only made four out of 17 appearances as a starter uh that one start In Akron, though, five and two-thirds innings, gave up eight hits, allowed a run, uh, walked three and struck out five. Pretty solid numbers. Uh, Yeah, probably going to go back to Lynchburg or somewhere in A-ball once, you know, I don't know what the plan is. Once Savali goes back to Columbus, maybe see Jake uh, Paulson go back to Akron. But whatever the case, he was pitching pretty well so far this year. Uh, Lynchburg had... Some struggles, 16 hits allowed in five and two thirds innings. But in Lake County, 13 appearances, two starts, 133 ERA, a perfect four and record, 39 hits um, in 2 thirds innings. He struck out 36, walked 15. I mean, he's got some solid numbers. I think he's one of those under the radar kind of guys to keep an eye on moving forward. So I'm definitely intrigued by him. And then uh, you talk about Mitch Reeves. Uh, speaking of under the radar guys. I mean, so far this year between uh, Lake County and Lynchburg, he's got a two fifty eight average. You know, not the best, but seven homers, 41 RBIs. He's starting to find that power a little bit. Uh, he's got that one homer and four RBIs in three games already for Lynchburg while batting two seventy Two walks versus four strikeouts. So he's getting on base a little bit, three fifty two on base overall. Uh, 770 OPS, uh, you know, not all-star numbers, but definitely not the worst numbers out there. And for him being a 32nd round pick in 2017, I think that he's performed pretty well and, uh, above and beyond expectations to this point. So we'll see how that continues to develop. Farhad and, uh, Engelman are guys from, uh, this year's, or last year's draft class, rather, uh, who I don't know much about at this point. Uh, Engelman, as you said, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but overall, it's... Playing pretty well in his limited games. 360 average, a couple homers, five RBIs. Um, Farhat, 320 average, a homer and two RBIs in uh, eight games so far. So, pretty early on in the season to really get a true read on them, but off to great starts and uh, now up in full season ball. Let's see how they do moving forward. But, uh, yeah, some intriguing names moving around the farm system. And uh, even if Draper's only up for Akron, up in Akron for a short time. I think he's worth keeping an eye on. And as is Reeves, as I think he's in Lynchburg to stay now moving forward. And yeah, you've, you've hit the nail right on the head. I think I put it out on Twitter, that Lynchburg Hillcats lineup now with Will Benson, Nolan Jones, uh, Oscar Gonzalez, Mitch Reeves at the top of that lineup, uh, Steven Kwan in there as well. That's a pretty scary lineup on paper. If you're looking in terms of talent and Tyler Freeman, Oh, and Tyler Freeman. Who could forget him? My shame on me for not mentioning him. That's a lineup I don't want to face at any level, quite frankly. I mean, what would what would be the lineup, the batting order? It would be like.
1: uh, Well, I go Quan Freeman. Oh, who do I hit third? Wow, Jones. Wow, no, I go Gonzalez, Benson, Jones. Wow, Nolan Jones hitting fifth.
0: Wow, uh, is that disrespectful at this point? I, w- I, I would... don't know. And then Reeves to back him up. I don't know if I put Quan lead off. I probably put Freeman lead off, Jones second, uh, or maybe Gonzalez second, Jones third, Benson fourth, and uh, and then uh, Reeves fifth. And you know, I know Quan has played well, but I would think that if he's not leading off, he's probably going to be better served at the bottom of the lineup to provide, kind of bookend that. With that speed and that uh, hit hit ability that he has, they've been hitting Jod Carter down at the bottom of the lineup too. I mean,
1: really, for the Hillcats, this is an impressive lineup that Jim Pankovitz has to
0: work with. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know if anybody's getting down to the Lynchburg area, but if you if you are, you should check out a, a Lynchburg Hillcats game and see some of these players. Who, again, kind of going back to what we discussed earlier, a lot of them are going to be the future of this organization. Jones and probably Benson especially uh, and Freeman, you know, and then you can extend that to the next tier to Oscar Gonzalez and uh, potentially a Mitch Reeves and Stephen Kwan. Um, So yeah, very, very intriguing players in Lynchburg. So, uh, well, Corey, what do you say uh, before we end things here today? uh, Get to our player of the week picks. Uh, For last week, I – I don't think it was even a contest. I had picked Ernie Ernie Clement last week. 333 average in seven games. He had nine hits, a triple, an RBI, uh, three runs scored, two walks, three strikeouts, two stolen bases, one caught stealing. Pretty much uh, a very Ernie Clement kind of week. And then uh, you had Reynaldo Delgado, who has been struggling so far in Mahoning Valley. 182 average last week in six games. He did have two doubles, four of it... Two of his uh, four hits were doubles. He had an RBI, four runs scored. Three walks versus five strikeouts and two stolen bases. So he's getting on base and making the most of when he gets on base. He's just not hitting the ball a lot right now. No, he is
1: drawing the walks, and he does run the bases as well. I'll say this about Delgado, too. He and Brian Rocchio up the middle, wow, so far. They have been amazing, both at short and at second base. They flip flop positions before. And they have each made some sensational plays out there in the middle infield. And, yeah, Delgado getting on base in different ways. Three walks compared to those five strikeouts. He's stolen some bases. He's got the extra base hits. Four runs scored despite not a really high batting average. So, he's flying different ways. We'll see if he can pick it back up next week. I think he has enough protection in that lineup. He's been hitting third pretty consistently in Mahoning Valley's lineup uh, to do so. But, yeah, Jake, you definitely outplayed me this
0: week with Player of the Week picks. All right, so, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough for me to secure the player of the week win overall. But uh, I can tell you who did deserve it, uh, and very much so, was uh, Ethan Hankins in Mahoning Valley this week. I mean, so far, let's just put it this way. So far, he has not allowed a hit in two starts. He's pitched, uh, what, 12 and two-thirds innings? Or no, eight and two-thirds innings, I'm sorry. And uh, he's... Hasn't allowed a hit yet. He hasn't allowed uh, a run yet. He's allowed, he's walked two and I think struck out 12. Uh, this past week, uh, one start, four two-thirds innings, no hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. And from what I hear, he was throwing heat. So, uh, I don't know. Talk about guys who might not be in Mahoning Valley for very long. How about Ethan Hankins?
1: Don't curse us like that, please.
0: <laughs>
1: don't put that evil on us, please. We have a nice thing going right now. And I just wrote a nice piece about it today i hope it's up by the time this podcast was up about the scrappers rotation headlined by ethan hankins eight eight and two-thirds innings no hits one hit by pitch two walks 12ks lights out from him he's been consistently throwing his fastball in the mid 90s touching i think 96 close to 97 wipe out kind of slider changing eye levels consistent arm slot He's pretty polished for a 19-year-old, and man, I hope he doesn't get called up anytime soon. They've been kind of piggybacking him with uh, Brian Eichhorn, who missed all of last season with an arm injury. So they're slowly working his innings in. He went, I believe it was four innings his first start, and then four and two-thirds innings his second start. So I don't know if they're going to stretch him out to five or... Six at some point within the next few weeks here, but oh my gosh, has he been impressive so far? He's just throwing heat, he's missing bats. There's really no the cart, the contact isn't hard, I should say. There's real no hard contact. So, oh my gosh, yeah, right now,
0: Ethan Hankins, without a question, has been the hottest
1: pitcher in this organization.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, congrats to him on a well deserved player of the week award. Uh, so, uh, next. Next week's picks. Um, looking down through, I've been pretty. I feel like I've been doing pretty well since uh, staying in Akron, and I think I'm going to stay there and look at a guy who I, we mentioned in passing earlier, who has been pitching so well in Akron, and pretty much all year he's been pitching well, and I'm talking about Eli Morgan, who I think just will continue to pitch well moving forward. You know, the, I know the uh, All-Star break is coming up here soon, and it's going to be interesting to see how he pitches in the second half because that's where he kind of got tripped up last year, going from Lake County to Lynchburg. I'll see if Morgan has the kind of durability and the kind of stuff to maintain his success moving forward. But uh, for now, I'm going to go ahead and go with him for uh, my pick for next week. One of
1: five all-stars to be recently named on the Akron RubberDucks roster. Morgan, Kyle Nelson, Connor Maribel, Kai, Tom, and Wilson Garcia. So a big Farm Report congratulations goes out to them. Yeah, and thanks for stealing my final thought. <laughs> <laughs> Think of a new one, or elaborate on that. I We talked about him in passing with the Lynchburg discussion. He's been hitting at the top of that lineup. And now with guys like Will Benson and Tyler Freeman and Nolan Jones and Oscar Gonzalez and Mitch Reeves and John Carter, et cetera, hitting behind him, if Stephen Kwan can be an effective table setter this week and get on base maybe to lead off ball games, or once that lineup goes back around and he can steal some bases and he can score some runs and he could be good out in center field for him like he has been this year, he could put up some interesting numbers this week with this new-look Hillcats lineup
0: working around him. I'll take Stephen Kwan this week. Interesting, because I think that pick had burned you earlier in the season. So, But I know he is playing better. He's batting two seventy five over his last uh, 10 games, so starting to hit the ball a little bit better. But uh, um, hopefully he can start to come back around. And, yeah, as you said, he's got all the protection in the world behind him, so maybe he starts to see... Uh, few more uh, pitches to his liking at the top of the order there or wherever he's batting and see if he can help out, set the table for this uh, Hillcats lineup, which as we mentioned, should be pretty dangerous moving forward. They got a pitch to somebody, right? Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) let's look ahead now to uh, final thoughts for this week before we wrap things up. And I'm going to go ahead and just say congratulations to, the five uh, rubber Ducks all stars. Since uh, Corey already mentioned it, uh, Kai Tom, Connor Maribel, Wilson Garcia, Eli Morgan, and Kyle Nelson. How about Eli Morgan coming up and uh, taking an all star bid for uh, Akron? I think he had earned one. I don't know if he had earned one for Lynchburg or not. I don't think he had. I think he had been gone too long to earn one. But he definitely would have earned one if he had stayed in Lynchburg. So um, all five of them very deserving. Uh, you know, we mentioned Tom and his. Uh, bounce-back season this year, Connor Maribel, he's had his ups and downs this year, but overall has been solid, Garcia's been an RBI machine for Akron this year, and then Eli Morgan and Kyle Nelson doing it all on the mound, Uh, both of them not originally on the team, but got promotions later in the year and still managed to uh, snag a couple All-Star nods, Uh, very impressive on their part, and a nice contingent uh, going to represent Akron in the Eastern League Midsummer Classic. There's been a lot of all-stars in this Indians organization this year.
1: Lake County, we saw a few represent in the Midwest League. Now we're seeing it in the Eastern League with Akron. Uh, Good representation for the Indians organization. My final thought this week, the Indians designated Leonis Martin for assignment on Saturday to make room for Bobby Bradley. You are not a bad person if you say good riddance to Leonis Martin, the baseball player. Because what he did on the field wasn't exactly too productive. It wasn't all-star quality, certainly. But saying goodbye to Leonis Martin, the person, is a little tough. Considering what he fought through over the last year, considering the kind of clubhouse presence he was, considering how Terry Francona and the Indians front office and the rest of the roster wrapped their arms around him and brought him in and took care of him through a real... Real. I use the word real as in outside of baseball, human exi- human existence, human experience, how those guys congregated together for him. It's hard to say goodbye to that. And Leonis Martin, you have to wish nothing but the best for him. We don't know what his future holds quite yet, but it's tough to cut ties with a player like this because there's a personal connection attached with it. We all follow Leonis Martin's story throughout last year and the beginning of this year as he worked from a near death experience to become the starting fielder of a world series contender that is remarkable what he did so it's okay to say goodbye to leonis martin the player but it's really difficult to say goodbye to leonis martin the human
0: yeah and i've made my thoughts note on twitter that you know it's it's hard to speak ill of him because of what he went through and we wish him all the wish him all the best moving forward. Um, I do agree it was the right move because it meant that, you know, Oscar Mercado could get more playing time and I think that's very much needed for the Indians as far as uh looking towards the future. But uh as I said, we, we here we hear at uh the Farmport Podcast and the IBI wish uh Martin all the best in his future pursuits. Hopefully somebody picks him up and he's able to uh continue on with a career that, you know, just what not even a year ago was not even close to being a, a reality uh, as was him being on being on his planet any longer. We didn't know if he was gonna be around. Um, but both of those uh, have come to fruition and uh, hopefully they can continue to do so moving forward uh, both in baseball and in life. Again, it's okay to say goodbye to the player. It's difficult to say goodbye
1: to the person. I'm really, I'm really honored to have watched him play over this last year. And it's been a treat to get to know his story. I didn't know him personally, obviously. But to follow along with from the time he was traded to Cleveland to him going down with this infection, to seeing him rise above it, to seeing him work back over the off season to get to where he was at the beginning of the year. And I give the Indians organization a lot of credit, all the credit in the world for sticking with him because that's not an easy thing to do. And keeping him on the payroll, medical benefits are still there, the umbrella of the team that played with him towards the end of last year. I'm really impressed with how the Indians handled this. And yeah, at some point it's got to come down to business, and that's what it came down to was business. Got to take care of business first. Nothing personal on Martin. And quite honestly, if you agree with what he did on the field or not, or you thought it was good or not, you have to respect what Leonis Martin has been as a human being over the last
0: whatever it was, months, eight months or so in the Indians organization. Absolutely. So farewell, Le- Leonis Martin, and we wish you all the best here from the Farmport podcast and from Corey and myself personally. So, uh, Corey, uh, it's been a great show today. Talked a lot uh, about you know the how the farm system has really helped the Indians this year, and hopefully we'll continue to do so because things are really looking up for the tribe right now. But uh, anything you want to plug before we uh, get out of here?
1: Yeah, again, I wrote about Ethan Hankins a little bit, and I wrote about the rest of the Scrapper's rotation in general because over the last really three years now, we have seen really good starting pitching come through Mahoning Valley. And I know the rest of the farm system as well, but let's be real. This is kind of where it starts. When you look at guys like Juan Hillman and Tristan McKenzie and Aaron Savali and Shane Bieber and Zach Pleasac. And now it's Ethan Hankins. It's Carlos Vargas, who is one of the top pitching prospects in the system. It's Brian Eichhorn, who's getting his season off the, off the, uh, off the road rather or on the road. It's Liam Jenkins, who was a college arm drafted out of Louisville last year. It's Matt Turner, who was a high school arm last, uh, a couple years ago. So I kind of profiled them a little bit, talked about what they were doing in the early part of the season. The Scrappers are leading the New York Penn League in home runs, but they've been kept in games largely because of their starting pitching. And as a result, they're 7-3 and three through their first 10 games, which is the second best start in franchise history through 10 games. Last year, they went 8-2. and two
0: yeah how about some good competitive baseball in Mahoney Valley the last couple of years very exciting I know it's been up it can be hit or miss when you bring in so many young new players uh, in the short season level but uh, the Scrappers fans have been treated to some very exciting baseball in recent years and I'm glad to see it continue this year and currently I'm the clubhouse leader
1: we do a contest in the press box the regulars on total bases who's going to have the most total bases in a given day Currently, I'm the clubhouse leader. I think I have three predictions correct so far this year in 10 games, so we'll take those.
0: All right, sounds good. Uh, And giving us a little bit of of a peek behind the scenes there into how things work (laughs) at Eastwood Field and that press box. But uh, uh, as far as my plugs are concerned, uh, check out the Smoke Signals podcast this week. Um, I apologize Again, you know things have been kind of hit or miss with me as far as content's concerned had uh, some personal uh, stuff to had to deal with first, but uh hopefully that should be m- moving behind me now, and I can start to focus more on putting out the content again as well as the uh four thoughts column that should be coming this week as well as well. I don't see any issues with that and and then I'll also have the uh this week's rubber Duck's notebook I'll be taking taking point on that this week and talking probably a little bit about the all-stars and who's going to be representing the Ducks and as well as all the uh, highlights from this past week. So uh, check that out as well. But uh, Corey, uh, beyond that, a great show tonight. Um, glad we could talk uh, prospects and the farm system and how it's. we've really started to see the uh, farm system, what we have Analyzed ad nauseum here at the site and on this podcast uh, with the prospects and the players and the depth and everything, we kind of see it play out at the big league level. Is is sort of some nice, I don't know, if vindication is the right word, but it's a nice way to see what we everything we've talked about kind of come to fruition at on the big stage. So uh, I I definitely enjoyed this this week's show, but uh, other than that uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter I'm at Jake D Baseball. Corey's at Christen. you can follow the uh, podcast account at SmokeSignalsIBI get all the uh, show links uh, updates and everything else there you can follow the site account at official underscore IBI for all the story links, retweets, breaking news, content, uh, everything you can find there, and uh, other than that Corey, I appreciate your time once again tonight. Great show. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, leave a nice rating and spread the word. That is all we ask. So uh, until next time, for the Farm Porn Podcast and for Corey christen I am Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.